right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. Because plastics can be so much more. Give this trash the second chance it was hoping hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag Program, happening in your neighborhood today. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... determined enemy can breach any protective wall, even if that wall is a thousand friends thick. And he need not be a great, strong, or powerful enemy either. Mosquitoes kill more people than tigers. You don't have to arrest me, Lieutenant. I do. It's my duty. Your duty. The city pays you what? Fifteen, twenty thousand a year. How would you like to be a millionaire? You're trying to bribe me. A million? That's not a bribe. That's a rebirth. I'm not for sale. Not even for a million? You know how much a million is. Show him his million, Lottie. Our mystery drama... Double Zero was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Robert Dryden. What it is all about is love and money. Some say you should also add war and hate, but hate is the other side of love and the basic cause of war is money, plus the absence of love. So, no matter where you turn, there's no getting away from it. Every story you've ever heard or read is about love or money, and this one is no exception. We shall deal with liberal amounts of each. Where to begin? Suppose we start with Stanley Skinner, a gentleman who is trying very hard to be a good citizen. I, uh, call the... Special police telephone number? Yes, Mr. Skinner. You know, the one that's on the television? Yes. If anyone has any information about, uh, about that murder, you... And do you have such information, Mr. Skinner? Well, it, it said the police are baffled because it didn't seem to be a robbery. And, uh, the victim had a hundred dollars in his wallet. Now, that, that, that's true, isn't it, Lieutenant? Yes. And, and it was reported that the hundred dollars was in the form... The form of five twenty-dollar bills. That, that, that's true. Yes, all that was put on the air. And furthermore, on each twenty-dollar bill, there was a double zero written in red ink. Now, that—that's how the bills were described. Now, Mister Skinner, what are you driving at? 
Those were my $20 bills. Yours? I say mine. Mine in the sense, the sense that at one time they were in my possession. You see, I always make a double zero in red ink on every bill that's more than a dollar. Uh, Mr. Skinner, will you tell me... I'll, to... I'll tell you why. How many times you make a small purchase, say 35, 40, 50 cents, and give the cashier or the clerk a, a 20 and, and get that change for a one? Oh, it, it probably doesn't happen too often to you. You're rather tall and strong and effective-looking. But but people like to take advantage of me for some reason. So when they say it wasn't a 20, I, I say, look in the drawer, you'll see a double zero written in red ink. When did you spend those bills? Well, my rent is $100 a month. Who'd you give the money to? Well, now, you may think it's reasonable for these times. Who? Oh. Well, yesterday was the first day of the month. Uh, my landlord. Who is your landlord? Oh, oh dear, I... I will have to tell you his name, won't I? Yes. Uh, Fenstermacher. Mr. Herman J. Fenstermacher. And what time yesterday did you give him the money? Well, I'd been to a cocktail party, and it was a frightful bore, and I, I left at about six. And I passed Mr. Fenstermacher's office on the way home. Now, Mr. Mr. Skinner, what you're saying is that about six o'clock last evening, you gave Mr. Fenstermacher the five $20 bills that were found on the body of the murder victim? Yes. Yes, I, I suppose that's what I am saying. I, I, I feel so... Terrified, I, I think I shall faint. Yes. Oh, are you, you sure? Well, I, I would say I have to. And tell him to come in. Uh, please, officer. A police officer. Ah, come in. Come in. Thank you, Mr. Fenstermacher. It was here. Cigar? Drink? No, thank you. Uh, my name is Kramer. Detective Lieutenant Kramer. Homicide. Oh, well, uh, what can I do for you, Lieutenant? I, uh, I assume I can do something. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here, huh? <laughs> you see? <laughs> Bad deduction. <laughs> uh, Mr. Fenstermacher, last night a man was murdered. Oh. Crime. I tell you, it's crime. It, it, it is getting out of hand. His name was Benbow. Luther Benbow. Did you know him? Uh, did I know him? He was a private investigator. Did you give him $100 last night in $20 bills? Well, why should I give him, him $100? At about 6 o'clock last night, a tenant of yours, Mr. Stanley Skinner, paid you $100 for the rent of his apartment. Oh, Mr. Skinner, I know very well. And two hours later, Mr. Luther Benbow was found shot to death. And the hundred dollars were in his pocket. Five twenty-dollar bills, each marked with a double zero in red ink. Identified by Mr. Skinner as the money he gave to you. Now, let's begin all over again. Did you know Mr. Luther Benbow? Uh, yes. Why did you give him a hundred dollars? Well, is that, is that important? Yes. But it's uh, something something very personal. This is a murder case. I needed 
The services of a private detective. And that was his fee? Yes. What for? I wanted him to, uh, to, uh... Yes? Uh, my wife is having an affair, and I hired Ben Bodo to find out who the man is. Did he? No. How long had he been working on it? Uh, a month. And he had no idea who the man could be? Uh, no, 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 no. Let me ask you something. Who the man is could be important to me. Why is it important to you? Because if the man had something to lose, it might be a motive for him to murder Benbow, to silence him. Now, we could say the same thing about your wife. My wife? Are you sure she was having an affair? Yes. In one month, Benbow was unable to produce any definite results. How do you know he wasn't leading you on? Uh, he said he traced her to an apartment building at 911 Cherokee Circle. Cherokee Circle? That's where his body was found. Yes, my uh, wife would go there two, three times a week. That's what Benbow told me. He would follow her there. And on those nights, where does your wife tell you she's been? Where? Mm. The opera, a show, a movie. You see, I, I have to work late most nights. I see. Well, what what do you think you see here? It's no picnic being a landlord these days. You're trying to tell me I neglect her? I, I give her all the money she wants. So all Ben Boe could tell you is that she frequently visits 911 Cherokee Circle. Now, he didn't find out who she sees there. No. What, what are you trying to do? Are you you're going to talk to her? Yes. Does this mean that she'll find out I had a detective shadowing her? I'm afraid it does. But she'll divorce me. Well, isn't that why you hired a private detective to follow her, so you could get the evidence to divorce her? Well, that's different. Why did he have to hire a detective? He could have asked me. I would have told him. Well, then you admit you were having an affair. I mean, what did he expect? The man's name? What did he marry me for? Am I supposed to sit around the house all day and half the night just waiting for his majesty to decide to come home? Mrs. Fenstermacher. That name? That's a mouthful, too, huh? Why don't you just call me Surinda? What does he say? He's busy. He's swamped with work. I must ask you to tell me the man's name. Oh, look, but... The guy has a good job, a wife, kids. This was nothing. I, I mean, just a good time for the both of us. His name, please. So? I'll tell you his name. What'll it prove? He didn't kill that private eye. I didn't either. Both of us were innocent bystanders. Uh, Mrs. Fenstermacher, I'll have to insist. Yeah. Yeah, I know you will. Well, he works for a bank. He's a... A trust officer. So if this comes out, he's dead. Level with me, Lieutenant. Will it have to come out? If it turns out that neither of you were involved in the murder, probably not. Yeah. That's sure a real, definite, ironclad guarantee, isn't it? No, I'm sorry. It's the best I can do. <laughs> Well, Mr. Fairchild, I, uh, I don't know what I can tell you. 
What we know so far is that Mr. Luther Benbow, a private detective, was killed in the line of duty. That is, he was murdered while shadowing Surrender Fenstermarker. Uh, Lieutenant, Lieutenant, we're both, both men of the world, I trust. Now, you realize that if uh, my relations with Mrs. Fenstermarker became known, my position here at the bank would, uh, would become untenable. Yeah, well, I'm afraid that's all beside the point. I am a homicide detective investigating a murder. Did you know you were being watched? Did I know we were being watched? Yes or no is the answer. Oh, the answer is no. Did you know Mr. Luther Benbow? Um, Once again, the answer is yes or no. Well, the answer is no. no. Then what you're saying is, A, you didn't know Mr. Benbow, and B, you were unaware of the fact that you were being shattered. Uh, Yes. That is exactly what I'm saying. Now, is uh, there anything else I have to do now? Not at this time. Will it be kept out of the uh, news media? This time? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Lieutenant. Be available in case you need it. Need it? Need it for what? I don't know. So far, the case is still wide open. It is obvious. Therefore, that Benbow was leading his client on. It would be simple to ascertain the identity of the man his wife was meeting at 911 Cherokee Circle. Object to make the job last as long Excuse as. Excuse me. Oh, yes? You're Lieutenant Kramer? They said to see you about it. About what? The murder of that private eye. My name is Munson, Dolly Munson. Mrs. Lewis Munson, although I'm divorced. Uh, yes, Mrs. Munson. Well, I heard on the radio and in the papers if anyone has any information concerning the murder of Luther Benbow to call. And you have information? I don't know. You decide. Uh, suppose you tell me. Well, I work at 911 Cherokee. I'm a companion to an elderly gentleman, a nurse companion. I read to him a lot. Yes? Well, uh, there's this nice couple. Nice looking, I mean. I've been meeting them on the elevator lately. They get off at the eighth floor. Uh, we don't know each other, but, but we nod. And, you know, we say hello, you know. Now, uh, this is last night. I'm waiting in front of the of 9-11 for the bus. You know, the express bus. That, yes, yes, yes. That, I know it very well. Uh, well. Well, they come out, and they head for their car, which is parked right at the curb. But suddenly they stop. Now, for the first time, I notice a man standing a little ways down the street. Now, now this gentleman, he leaves the lady, and he walks over to this man, and he starts to talk to him. Could you hear what was said? Oh, could I? You could hear it all over the neighborhood. This gentleman, he said to the man, Are you spying on me? And the man answered something like, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, there was more of that kind of stuff, and the gentleman threatened to do something to him. Please, the lady called out, please don't start anything. And then the gentleman and the lady got into his car. Well, then this morning I saw the dead man's picture in the paper, so I thought... Uh, the lady and the gentleman, you don't know their names? Uh, no. No. I'm not even sure they live in that building. They could just be visiting. But I remember the car. Oh, it's a real nice-looking foreign sports kind of car. And the license, I noticed the license. 
Because it's so short and simple. UL58. UL58. Yeah. Uh, just a minute. I want to run a license number. Get me the motor vehicle computer. Yeah. I want UL58. Yes. Ronald K. Fairchild. Yes, sir, you can't beat modern science. You'd be surprised how many lie detectors there are in this world. Didn't we hear Mr. Fairchild say he didn't know Mr. Benbow and that he was unaware that he was being shadowed? Well, we shall have to confront him with all this in Act Two. Lieutenant Kramer has to contend with. Of course, murder moves in a bewildering maze of directions. It refuses to confine itself to a neat, concise package. For example, we're already involved with adultery, conspiracy, falsehoods. Murder certainly does not keep wholesome company. Mr. Fairchild, you still insist you're completely unaware of Mr. Benbow. Lieutenant, I Word, Mr. Fairchild, I warn you, this is a very serious situation. It's murder. I I, I don't want to take you in and book you. I won't run away. I know that. You can't afford to. So I'm not going to take you downtown. Just yet. You say you and Mr. Fairchild left the building last night and there was no encounter with anyone? That's right. We just got into the car, as usual, and just drove off, as usual. Mm, this woman who says she saw Fairchild and Benbow get into an argument, why would she lie? Oh, look, so many people lead desperate, dull lives. This is a chance for her to do something out of the ordinary. Well, why pick on you? Look, we've seen her in the elevator. She's seen us. She gives us that up-and-down look. You know what I mean? It says... Oh, you too. You're not putting anything over on me. And now she notices this Benbo hanging around. She figures maybe he's a detective. Well, you know how most people love to write mystery stories in their own heads. And so she made it come together. I was with Mr. Fairchild 15 minutes ago. Did he call you and tell you what to tell me? No. You told me you were not in love with Mr. Fairchild. Is that still true? Sure, sure it's true. Well, then, if you're not in love with him, why do you want to risk being an accessory to murder? Murder? We're two-thirds of the way there now. As far as Mr. Fairchild is concerned, we have motive. We have the fact that he was heard to threaten Benbow. But it's her word, that woman. Come on, Mrs. Fenstermacher. That woman is telling the truth, and you know it. I know it, and Fairchild knows it. You're in deep enough. How am I in deep enough? You were having an affair with him. You were with him. You also had a great deal to lose. Now, look, I really... You're connected with the case. Okay, so far, nothing points to you. There's an involvement, but it's messy rather than illegal. 
They can find him guilty, and you can still walk away. But don't try perjury or even conspiracy, because then you're asking for the same first-degree murder indictment that he's liable for. I, I don't see how I can commit perjury. If I'm placed on the stand, the witness stand, I, I'll just have to tell the truth. And what is the truth? Truth is that, that he did notice this fellow. And not just for the first time last night either, because we spoke about it, and, and we didn't know. But last night, I, I guess he felt sure, and he, uh, he did threaten this man. That's the truth? Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry for him, but that's the way it goes, isn't it? Mr. Ronald K. Fairchild has been charged with the murder of that uh, Benbow fellow. Oh? Yes. Mm. Rather prominent person, Mr. Fairchild. A trust officer at the Union United Federal. Well, that shows you. You can't trust anyone at all these days. Mm, in a way, it's unfair for Mr. Fairchild to pay the price for this. Well, Jonathan, as you yourself have often said... Life is unfair. Yes, but murder, especially since he didn't do it. Well, are you suggesting we get him off? However, his career is a shambles anyhow. The fact of adultery has disgraced him permanently. So we might just as well make sure he's convicted of the murder. How? Well, <laughs> I don't trust lawyers. State should have a really ironclad case against him. That will put the Benbow situation to rest for good. Well, what do you want to do? Who was used for this? Julius. Yes. A very competent man. Tell Julius that the gun he used should be found somewhere among Mr. Fairchild's possessions. I won't confess because I didn't do it. Now, you said you didn't know, you weren't aware of Mr. Benbow. That was a lie. You did have a motive. Yeah, but that doesn't prove that At I... home, in your den, in the lower left bottom drawer of your desk, we found a thirty-eight caliber Haskins Penrose revolver. A what? The thirty-eight caliber revolver that has been established as the weapon that killed Mr. Benbow. But I don't own a gun. It was found, as I said, in your desk drawer. Oh, sure. Sure, because it was planted there. Mr. Fairchild, if you confess... If I confess... Now look, I'm a cop, but it's only my job. I'm human, just as you are. You have a hard time proving it. I can understand what you did. What did I do? The affair. She's, uh... She's a great-looking woman. And I can understand it. This Benbow, believe me, fair child, he's a small-time hustler. He should have been in jail. He was working Fenstermarker for a good thing. You saw his face, and you knew he had you. He could blackmail you for the rest of your life. Now, that's true, isn't it? I didn't kill him. But you knew he had you. Yes. 
Okay. I like you, Fairchild. Because there, but for the grace of the... Well, it looks after guys like me. Well, you have to pay for Benbow. But I didn't have anything to do. You did. You had the motive, and we have the gun. How do you account for the gun? I didn't kill him. Someone else did. And that someone else planted that gun to make sure that I would be convicted. I would not advise you or your lawyer to try that defense. It's the truth. No. Goodbye, Mr. Fairchild. Goodbye. I'm off it now. I'm in a case. Our job is to gather the evidence, make the arrest, and from here on, it's in the hands of the prosecutor. But I am innocent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Good luck. What can I do for you, officer? Oh, there's so many people in the joint tonight. You looking for somebody? Uh, it's freelancing for a little information. No, uh, don't ask me. What bit you? Nothing. Well, generally, you have such a cheery smile. Why don't you get lost, cop? Oh, come on now. Is that a way to talk to an officer of the law? No. I'm just... I guess I still got the blues. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I'd miss him all that much. What are you talking about? You know. Oh, Luther. Yeah, that's right. You used to run around with Luther Benbow. Yeah. Well, it wasn't very much, but he was all I had. Well, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm getting older. <laughs> We're all getting older, honey. My honey hair is turning gray. I see this guy who's on trial is going to get convicted. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you're the one who brought him in, aren't you? Well, the thing practically solved itself. <laughs> A modest cop. The age of miracles. Yeah, it figures. What figures? The guy is tied up with a bank. You know what Luther told me just before he was killed? He said, Honey, I'm on to the biggest thing in my life. Yeah? There's millions in it. Me? Well, he could stick old man Fenstermacher for a couple of hundred, maybe even a thousand, but that's all that traffic was going to bear. That's what I told him. But you know what he said? Fenstermacher was small change. He was on to something else. What else? I don't know. It had to do with the government, he said. The government? What else? I don't know what else. Every time I try to get more out of him, he just winked at me and he'd say, "Well, now when the time comes." That's all he said. Yeah. And you can't tell me anything else. Look, if I knew anything else, I'd... you know more than you think. Only you're not aware of it now. Did he mention some names? Uh, what, what kind of names? This thing he said he was onto. Did he say where it was? Oh yeah, yeah. It was uh, because he was staking out nine eleven Cherokee Circle. 9-11? Yeah, you see, that's where this guy Fairchild had rented an apartment to take the Fenstermacher dame, and while he was on the lookout there, he, he kind of latched onto the other thing. What other thing? I don't know. Gee, he was sure tight-mouthed. He said to me, I made the contact, and he knows he's got to pay off. Are you sure he wasn't talking about Fairchild? No, 
Charles. Fairchild is small potatoes. This guy, he, he was big in... Uh, no, the, the government, yeah. He, he said he'd made the appointment and talked to the guy. An appointment? You say he had an appointment? He said he had an appointment. Well, would he have written that down somewhere? I don't know. <clears throat> Maybe in his book. His book? Yeah, yeah, he kept a book for appointments. That book, where is it? Why, well, I, I guess it's in the apartment with the rest of his things. I, I just don't feel like getting rid of them yet. Could we uh, get a look at that book? When did he tell you he had this appointment? It was the day before he was killed. That would make it Tuesday, the 31st. All right, here's what it says. Tuesday, the 31st. Appointment with Corliss. 9-11 Cherokee Circle at 8 p.m. Who's Corliss? I don't know. Who is Corliss? He doesn't know and she doesn't know. But we know. We met Mr. Corliss during the unfolding of our second act. He was the gentleman who wanted to make sure the murder weapon would be discovered conveniently in Mr. Fairchild's desk. Well, you know we'll meet him again in Act Three. Fairchild for the murder of Luther Benbow proceeds apace and toward what seems to be an inevitable verdict. However, the detective who has arrested Mr. Benbow has suddenly, yes, inadvertently, discovered that the investigation might have ended a bit too hastily. Hello there. Hello. Don't you remember me, Mrs. Munson? Huh? Oh, oh. Oh, you, the police lieutenant. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought someone was trying to pick me up. You thought I was somebody fresh? No, someone <laughs> stupid. Want an old dame like me. Oh, come on. You're not so old. Hey, can I give you a lift? Oh, what have you got in mind? Oh, well, this is official business. Yeah, I was afraid of that. We uh, might as well drive toward your place. Oh, well, uh, what do you want to ask me? You seem to know everybody in the building... I understand uh, Mr. Corliss lives in the building. Jonathan C. Corliss, yeah. Maintains an office in an apartment on the 15th floor. 15B. He has a mistress. Uh, uh, mistress? Well, she's been introduced as his secretary, but she lives there, too. Besides, she has the longest, prettiest fingernails I ever saw. So I don't think typing is her major talent. And would you happen to know what business Mr. Corliss is in? Would I know? Well, I've been trying to figure that out. And? Well, I think Mr. Corliss is a, a an expediter. An expediter? Now, what does that mean? Well, it means he expedites things. What kind of things? And for whom? Well, I, I think he arranges for favors. What kind of favors? Well, if you need a favor, the way I understand it, Mr. Corliss will find out who'll be willing to do it for you. Uh, for a price, of course. I see. See, Lieutenant, uh, why have you asked me all these questions? Well, I'm not sure just yet. Has it got to do with police business? Of course. Well, let me know if I can be a further help, then. 
Bailey's, there's there's absolutely nothing else to do. Uh, Mr. Corliss, my dear. What is it, Lottie? A police detective wants to see you. I wonder why. I asked him, but he said it was a police matter. Well, then, I shall have to see him, won't I? Have him come in. Uh, Won't you come in, sir? Uh, Mr. Corliss, this is Lieutenant Kramer of the City Police Department. How do you do, sir? Please be seated. Thank you. Well, now, what is that I can do for you? Well, some time ago, almost a month now, uh, Mr. Luther Benbow was shot to death. Yes. Did you know Mr. Benbow? <laughs> Why do you ask? Did you have an appointment to see Mr. Benbow at 8 o'clock on the night of the 31st? Consult my calendar, please, Lottie. Yes, sir. Uh, did I have such an appointment? Uh, no, sir. No appointment with uh, Mr. Benbow. Which should not be surprising, since I don't know, or uh, didn't know, as it turns out, Mr. Benbow. Well, then you deny having this appointment. <laughs> no, didn't. Am I being accused? Well, according to Mr. Benbow's appointment book, he had a date to see you. Are you sure? Positive. The notation reads, Corliss, 9-11 Cherokee Circle. At 8 p.m. Well, that's my name and address, but I didn't know the gentleman. And he was never here. Uh, Mr. Corliss, I am trying to retrace Mr. Benbow's trail. I understand, Lieutenant. Now, is it possible that he might have been here under a different name? Did you have any other appointment scheduled for 8 p.m.? I, I don't remember. You have no idea why your name should have been in Mr. Benbow's notebook? None at all. I, uh... I'm sorry I disturbed you. Oh, it's quite all right. I'm sorry I was unable to be of assistance. Goodbye, sir. And Miss, uh... No, that's all right. I can let myself out. Is he gone? Yes. Well, now. What do you make of that? Well, I'm sure you know what to make of it, Jonathan. A key statement spoken by our detective... I'm trying to retrace Mr. Benbow's trail. Key for two reasons. Can you tell me what they are? Absolutely not. Why should anyone want to retrace Mr. Benbow's trail? Mr. Fairchild is being tried for his murder and is well on his way toward conviction. Second, the detective didn't say we are trying to retrace the trail. He said I am trying what does that suggest? Uh, once again, my dear, you'll have to tell me. But Lieutenant Kramer is operating in a lone wolf and very likely unofficial capacity. But why? Occasionally you get a policeman who is dissatisfied with the way the department has handled the case, and he decides... But what has to be done about it? Hello? Yes, just a minute. It's for you. Julius. Thank you, Artie. Yes, Julius. Oh, never mind that. We're here now. Who? Yes. When? I see. Well, stand by. I'll have something for you later. Very interesting. Julius, as you know, has been watching the house. Well? Last evening, he saw a man whom he recognized as a police detective... 
pull over to the curb and start to talk with a woman who works in the building. Mrs. Munson. Munson? At any rate, Julius saw her get into the detective's car and drive off. Now we have something to think about. A detective talks to a woman in this building. And the next day he comes here to talk to me about the Benbow murder, which should be, as far as we're concerned, a deadish one. I got it. She told him Benbow was here. How would she know? Well, she might have seen him. Yes. And we're in trouble. Well, anything Julius can handle? Julius can always handle it. As a last resort. Why not as a first resort? Because you simply can't murder people the way you swat flies. Why not? Both of them. The cop and the woman. Do it now, Jonathan. Fast before I can grow and develop. You yourself said the cop is freelancing. Which means his boss doesn't know what he's up to. And that dame? Oh, who'd miss her? Well, it's certainly tempting. Except we can't be sure. Jonathan, do you know how much money is involved here? I was the one who determined the amount. So we've almost got it That's through. why nothing must go wrong now. So, we'll buy her off. Buy her off? We can always get rid of her later. But what about the cop? So far, he doesn't know what it's all about. Anyway, <laughs> he's just a cop. They bother us, we can buy him off. Or as they say... Bump him off. Lieutenant? Yes? Oh, oh, it's Mrs. Munson. I'm sorry to disturb you. Oh, that's all right. Well, there was a man. Yes? I notice him hanging around 9-11 all the time. This morning as I left to go to work at 9-11, I caught a glimpse of him hanging around my apartment house. You sure? Yes, I'm positive. He was in a parked car. When I left for the bus stop, he followed me. And he parked across the street as I waited for the bus. Then when I got on the bus, he followed the bus. Well, I got rid of him. I waited for a red light when the bus arrived at Sentinel Plaza. You know how crowded it is there. And I ran off the bus and around the corner. That's the one-way street, and I, I came right here. Lieutenant, why am I being followed? Well, it could be your imagination. No, no, I saw the man distinctly. Can you describe him? Yes. Short, very stout, blonde, a broken nose. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, Chuck, Lieutenant Kramer, I want to look at some pictures. Yeah, right now. Absolutely. It's the second fellow. You sure? Positive. Oh, it's that. It's that face. Oh, yeah, I was afraid of that. Of what? This man is Julius Nightingale, and don't let the name fool you. He's a killer. Well, then why isn't he behind bars? Because we could never prove it. Well, now I know. What? Ben Bow was on a routine divorce evidence case when suddenly he stumbled into something big. Uh -huh. He tried to get a piece for himself, and he was killed for it. Oh, then Mr. Fairchild isn't guilty. Well, this is only a theory. But how can we turn it into a fact? Mrs. Munson, what a pleasant surprise. I understand we're neighbors. Well, during the day, anyhow. I'm so happy you paid us a social call. It's business. Well, then, shall we come to the point? How much is it worth? 
For what? For me to keep my mouth shut. Why should I pay you anything to keep your mouth shut? I was a very good friend of Luther Benbow's. Oh, what's that to me? He was here the night before he died, and you denied it. I saw him come up. So? He told me everything, what he had on you. Really? Suppose you tell that to me. Corliss, you know what we have to do. Nothing. Don't say another word. That's what she's here for. To fool us into saying something. The police probably have a wire. Every word in this room is being taped. Oh. Yes. Oh. So you see, Mrs. Munson, I'm afraid your little stratagem failed. Yes, yes. Here's the time we'd better knock her off. Shut up, Julius. Shut up. I'm the one that's going to burn. I'm the one who knocked off Bembo. You can stand there and say, shut up. Julius, don't. Get your front. Sure, you got caught. Say the same, huh? All along, she's waiting for you. I should have come up here. I don't knock the three of you off. Shut up. I want my dough. She's been set up by the police. She's got to have a hidden microphone and recorder on herself. So shut up. That's right, Julius. Shut up. Julius, the police. We got men all around the building. Uh, now, uh, listen, Lieutenant. Uh, let us um, all talk privately. Sure. In jail. There's exactly $4 million involved here. Now, this should be enough for you. Why don't you just tell that to the judge? But there will be international ramifications. Mm-hmm. Tell that to the judge. It may jeopardize the security of our country. I think our country is more secure with you behind bars. It probably is. As you can surmise, Mr. Corliss was an international fixer who corrupted government officials both here and abroad. He would have been free to this day had not a rather seedy private investigator blundered into the secret. But that's how it goes so often. It's the little things. For want of a nail, the kingdom was lost. For want of a... Oh, well, there'll be no want of me. I shall return shortly. It is a magic moment. You are at your Buick dealers, about to drive home in your brand new Buick LeSabre. It's lean and trim, classic line. It looks quite unlike any full-size Buick you can remember. You get in. A heavy new car smell surrounds you. Your LeSabre feels the way it looks, tight. You turn the wheel a little. No wasted motion in this car. Big brushed metallic gauges look back at you. That V6 engine is doing great. You rub your hand on the seat. Six people could be really comfortable in here. You swing in your driveway. Your wife, the kids, the dog, everyone but the parakeet descends in the car and gets in. Off you go to nowhere in particular. Life and your new newspaper are great. Maybe the dog shouldn't sit on the seat. Distracted and wind up somewhere else. Like Columbus. 
we started out to find a passage to India and thereby discovered America. Serendipity. A hand-to-mouth investigator is satisfied to work for crumbs and suddenly stumbles on a banquet. Unfortunately, it kills him. Dryden, Bill Griffith, Earl Hammond, Bryna Rayburn, and Joan Shea. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. I am here tonight, Ebenezer, to warn you that you have yet a hope of escaping my fate. Oh, you were always a good friend, Sankey. You will be haunted by three spirits. That is the hope you mentioned? It is. Uh, I, I, I think I'd rather not. Without their visits, you have no hope but to shun the path I tread. Expect the first tomorrow, when the bell tolls one. But couldn't I take them all at once and have it over? Expect the second on the next night at the same hour. The third, when the last stroke of twelve has ceased to vibrate on your mantel clock. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Anheuser-Busch Incorporated, Brewers of Budweiser. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. Cause plastics can be so much more. Give this trash the second chance it was hoping hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program happening in your neighborhood today.